You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Mike Lewis. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll tell you what, the truth, here's the truth. God has blessed you guys, us guys, with some wonderful speakers. I've been all over the world, and you guys have some of the best teaching and preaching pastors right here in this church. Amen. And, and how do I think they're doing? Incredibly wonderful. I think it is just, I, I could not be any more proud or any more excited for them. The whole leadership team. Are, they're just out, absolutely outstanding. Well, I mean, a few shifts have happened. <clears throat> Let me tell you why I'm here first. I always tell Meg, and it's true of all the, all the teaching staff, but I tell Meg, <clears throat> particularly, I said, you know, I'm always in your back pocket. So if something happens, you know, and it's last minute, just I've done it a few times. You know, <laughs> bring a ding-a-ding. Give me a call, and I can do it. So she, so she called. said, all right, I'm pulling you out of my back pocket. <laughs> so she had a number of things going on with the kid with sickness. And then, lo and behold, she didn't have to go to the doctor on Saturday and got some kind of infection going on. And so anyway, finally she threw in the towel. And so uh, I'm out of her back pocket, and I'm here. Yeah. <clears throat> and glad to be here. I, I love seeing you guys. But things have changed somewhat. I mean, I came in this morning. For instance, came in this morning. I, it's, I have, pre-computer days, I have a classic picture in my head of Sunday morning, and I have a stack of books about this high, and it's like 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm finishing up my message, and I'm trying to get in this side door with those books, and I'm fumbling with the key, and it's raining, and all of a sudden, they go everywhere. I just, just one of those things, pre-computer, you think, thank God for computers. Well, then this morning I'm coming in with my computer, <laughs> with the umbrella, with my phone, my little thing, my little, about everything right here. Take my fob and trying to get it to work like this. A, a young lady is standing right over here watching me. And I'm feeling kind of stupid. I'm crunched over the umbrella. I'm doing this, and it won't work. <laughs> now I know it doesn't work. So finally, somebody from the inside, they, they come and let me. I don't know if they cancel it. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know. But, but I do know, I do know one of my practices for 35 years has been anytime my family would call, I would answer the phone. I mean, I could be sitting down with you or anybody else, and I'd pick it up. Now, granted, I wouldn't have a long conversation unless it was needed. I would say something like, oh, okay, what do you need? Oh, is your toenail? That's fine. Then we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Hang up. But my, I would never not answer. So this week I called Macy up. Or I attempted to. <laughs> I get a text back saying, uh, sorry, I'm in a meeting. I can't talk now. <laughs> I said, Dean. Not Houston. Dean, we got a problem. Nah. How many of you never heard me speak? I know we've had some, a lot of additions. Oh, it was a good crowd. I feel sorry for you. 
Um, but I'm glad because I can tell my old jokes. <laughs> That's what's nice about going around speaking. You can use all your old jokes and nobody knows them. One of my favorite was about the bagpiper. Had a guy who played bag, bagpipes, and God started stirring him about doing something with his gift. And so it just started, you know how it is when God starts stirring like that. It just kind of wells up in him. So it started to kind of, just on his mind, welling up in him, just wanting to do something to give back. And sure enough, it wasn't long, a couple of weeks before, uh, the guy calls my friend of his from Tennessee and says, uh, I just had a homeless man die, and, and uh, would you, could you come play for his funeral? He said, oh, that's just what I wanted. I want to give back. I want to do something. And so he takes off the day of the funeral, and he headed up there. Well, he's in those Tennessee hills, and he started going around, and next thing you know, he realized he was lost. And so he's watching his clock, and he's lost. And finally gets back on track, and now he is just driving like mad. Oh, Lord, let me get there. Let me get there. Sure enough, he comes around the curve. As he comes around the curve, he looks, and there it is. It's not over. Two guys are sitting on a pile of dirt, and he says they hadn't covered him up yet. Nobody else is there, so all the... Well, people have gone home, and they're just waiting to cover him up. So at least I can play to him. What? Play, audience of one? Is that okay? Play to one, yes? Yeah, so I'm going to do it. So he just played his heart out. I mean, he played amazing grace like he had never heard it. And just for good measure, he threw a little course in there about how great thou art. And then feeling very proud, his chest was out. He put his instrument back in his car and took off. One guy looked at the other sitting on that dirt pile. He went and looked at the other one and said, you know, he said, I've been putting these safety tanks in for 35 years. <laughs> I ain't never had nothing like that to happen before in my life. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I want you guys to stand up and let's pray together. Ask God to intervene. Father, we thank you for this morning, and, and uh, I really believe that you want to do something in our hearts. So it's not about me speaking, <clears throat> not about a sermon. Or, it's about dialing in what you want to do in the next few moments and then be obedient to it. So I just pray, Holy Spirit, you'd lead us and direct us, and we give you control. We give you this service to do what you want, not what we want to do, what you want to do, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 You can be seated. And I want to read a scripture from John chapter 14. And, and I'm not going to talk about heaven. I shouldn't say that. I am going to talk some about heaven. But when, uh, when Meg called me, she was going to obviously continue the series, and she said I'd have the choice to do that or not. So I've done a little bit of both. I will mention heaven, but it's not a particular one. What I was going to do, and already had been working on it, and I was pretty excited about it. And that is, I was going to do questions on heaven, questions like question and answer Q&A, and answer questions like, how old will you be in heaven? Like, are you, will there be marriage in heaven? Uh, how about when you, a child dies and goes to heaven? How about uh, a child before it's born, stillborn or something, and the, the parent, how are they going to recognize the child in heaven? Is there going to be sex in heaven? I mean, I just got a few things I could talk about. But then when I talked to Meg, I said, well, we plan to do a question and answer next week, too. I said, well, I can't do both of them, and I don't want to take y'all's, you know, thunder away from you. So 
I want to talk on something else. But if you do have questions about heaven, if you'll go on the website and send them to us, then they can use some of those as a base for theirs, all right? Y'all think of some really good ones, all right? Okay. All right, John chapter 14. I want to give you the setting before I read because it's important. This is the night before Jesus. He's going to be betrayed the, the night. And he has the Last Supper with his disciples. It's a very moving. The Last Supper, we do it kind of formally. For them, it's a whole meal. And it's not just partaking of the elements, as in putting them in your mouth and drinking. It's what we suppose to do as well. It is partaking of a covenant. Jesus said, this is the covenant. In, it's my blood. And it's something that you partake of. It's not a ceremony. And for them, it was a very touching moment. And, uh, and Jesus knows in his mind that he's going to be crucified. He already knows that the disciples are going to scatter. He already knows the whole thing. And he knows that a few short days after this happens, he's going to go back to heaven. Now, let me ask you a question. What would you say to a group like that? that would keep them focused? What would you say, what would your last words be that you know they could hang on to something? Because he knows it's not going to be very many years and you're going to have your first martyr. So what do you say to keep the team together? How do you keep them motivated? What kind of stick to can you put in them? And, and if, you, if you could, what words would that be? What would you say to them? That's the situation where Jesus... Now let's... I think these are some of the most powerful words in Scripture. When he starts off and he says to his disciples, keep in mind, the, the, the Last Supper, and he says, guys, I know I've been with you now almost three years. Paraphrased. You're getting ready to go through some tough times. Some people can get their whole foundation shaken. But I want to tell you something. Let not your heart be troubled. Sometime later, maybe we could come back and talk about the let. Because our day and time, we need to practice some of that. There is a letting that needs to be learned. Let not your heart. You do it. You let. Don't let your heart. And there's a letting that allows God now to do his thing. So his first words were of comfort. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. You're right. He's always going to be God. He gets the last word. I know everybody seems powerful, but nobody's more powerful than God. You believe in God? I believe also in me. Now, watch the language. In my father's house are many mansions, are many rooms. Isn't that interesting? that what he chose to help this happen was talking about the Father, was talking about the Father's house. And then he goes on to say, and if it were not so, I would have told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. The Father's house, the Father. Now, put those together, and I'm going to have a place where you come in the Father's house, and you're a part and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come and receive you to myself, that where I am, you'll be also. Let me tell you what I think we miss sometimes. 
I think we miss the fact that Christianity at its core is family. Christianity at core is a lot of religions. But the father sent his son to die on a cross so then he could gather people who would be adopted in his family, accept him, be adopted in his family as children so that the long term, not only would they be led and planted earth and guided here, but long term that they would spend eternity in heaven. I want you to hear this heart. Jesus saying, guys, listen to me. Again, paraphrase. I'm not going to be here to encourage you. But the Holy Spirit will come and will do that. But you guys hang tight. Because God's God. He's got this thing under control. And when you go through those tough times, remember, I'm going away because God wants you with him. And I want to be with you spend all eternity. Here's what I think we miss. Yes, it's a confession of faith. You accept Christ, you get saved. You're born to the family of God. But that's just like your first date. That's like a relationship who had just started. All right, you accepted him. Now you start to walk with him and develop a relation with him. Now, if you watch me now, watch this. There is a way you do life, or you can do life, and take two steps forward, and time go by, and you're not moving and maturing. There is a way you can be a Christian and not mature. But the plan is, is that you mature in relationship and you grow and get more intimate with God, have more fellowship with God. Let me paraphrase it this way. Does it just make sense to you? And those of you who are watching online, does it make sense to you that if you were going to go spend eternity with somebody who has died for you in your place so that you could get there, and then his father, the nature of the Father God, sent him. Does it make sense to you that if you spend no time talking to him or fellowshipping with him or the Holy Spirit or Jesus himself, why would you want to go to eternity to spend more time with somebody you won't even talk to here? Did I hear an amen in the house? Y'all with me? Does that make sense to anybody? That's why I'm saying what I think we miss sometimes is some people jump over in the religion side and try to make this a religion. I mean, it's relationship, friends. I mean, it's relationship. If you, if, I mean, it's, the Bible's full of it. If, if somebody wrongs you, you go to them. You get it right best you can. If you do something wrong, you tell them you're sorry. The relation, husbands and wives, don't you go to bed be mad at each other and all that. I can't tell you how many times Dean has stayed up all night long trying to get her heart right. <laughs> I'm sleeping like a baby. Anyway, that's enough. <laughs> all right, where am I? I got to move on here if I get in trouble, big time trouble. <clears throat> all right, are y'all with me? It's, it's, it's a relationship, and that relationship is supposed to grow so that when you finally step across that presence and into God's presence, he said, hey, Dad, it's good to see you. You've always been faithful. You've never let me down. It is so good to see you.
It's my dad. And then he looked back at you. Oh, it is so good to see you too. So good to see you. This is what I'm longing for. I told you I'd prepare a place, didn't I? Here goes your chair. It's got your name on it. I really care about you. All right, let's pause. Let's take fast forward now to John chapter 2. That was 14 of John. Let's fast forward now to chapter 21. And let me just, again, set it up for you. Jesus has died and he has resurrected. But the fish, but the, Peter decided he's going fishing. And guess where everybody else goes? With Pete. So they all bail on this mission they're on, and they go back doing what is familiar. Let's read it. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee. And in this way, he showed himself. Now, Simon Peter was there. Thomas was there. Uh, the twin Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee. The sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were gathered. Peter says, I'm going fishing. Hey, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that somebody would have that much power? Le- leadership is huge. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Leadership bails. Guess what happens? Troops bail. As the leader goes, so goes the followers. So they said to him, we're going fishing also. That's leadership in the wrong way, but that's leadership. And they went out and immediately got in a boat and that night and they caught nothing. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore, and yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? You know, I just, I just think that's curious. <clears throat> One of the things I want to tell you, I thought we missed sometimes the, uh, the relational dynamic. Can you imagine Jesus, after he went to hell, whipped Satan, all the stuff he did and resurrection happened and he gets and then he sees his disciples and the first thing he says to them you boys hungry? Guess what? He knew they were. Just like my crowd they stay hungry. So now he said to them, are you catching anything? No. He said, alright, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast the net now and they were not able to draw it because it had such a multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, Is it the Lord? Which was probably John. And John said to Peter, Is it the Lord? And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on and he plunged into the sea. The other disciples came in a little boat, um, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits dragging their nets. And then as soon as they had come to land, they saw what they saw. And uh, <clears throat> called the fire, and the fish laid on it, and bread. Does that sound like a worship service to you? You know, it's amazing what happens around the table. Families, let me say, around the table can be some of the most important conversations you'll ever have with your children. It can be some of the most important conversations you have with one another. 
It's amazing how you look through Scripture and you see so much wrapped up. Jesus already, he had this first meeting in John 14. What were they doing? Eating a meal, sitting together, fellowship. Now we're going to get them back together and start the process now of letting them hopefully get healed up. So what does he do? Get a fire, put a pot on, get the fish ready, get the bread ready. You know how hungry this world is for that? You know what? I'm, I'm totally sidetracked now. You know how hard families are being hit now? I mean, huge. Time-wise. And part of, I think part of his strategy is to not let this happen in families. Because mom and dad, together with kids, needs to happen. That's, that's family. That's where this, the thing Jesus is trying to give away here, that's what flows through you parents to your children. That's what gives them a place. That's what builds something on the inside of them. It is family. It's mom and dad. It's, it's that kind of thing. It's the same thing here that's happening. Happening in Jesus with his disciples. It needs to happen with parents and their kids. And that... It's just huge. And by the way, all the people that you're ministering to, get them around a table. Ask them what's going on. Talk to them. They, they never, John Maxwell said, they'll never know how much you care. they never know how much you know until they know how much you care. They don't care what you know. You know all about Jesus, all about the Bible. You, know, you can know it until the cows come home. They're looking for one thing. When they sit down with it, do I matter to you? Do you care? So that whole dynamic, I think, is huge. Now, <clears throat> let me ask you a question. How many of you ever remember? Anybody remember? Some of you are young enough this still happens to you. Anybody here remember walking into the lunchroom with your tray? Anybody remember? And you look, you're scanning because what are you looking for? A, what? A place. Could I suggest to you, my friends, that longing is in every human being. And what you're seeing so much in our day, in our society, and you can call it whatever you want to call it, but here's what's happening. They've got a tray, and they're walking around, and they have not found their place. But that need to find our place, that need to be accepted, that need for somebody to invite us over, that, that is huge. Now, women, you're equally susceptible to that as, as, I, as men are, but <laughs> how many of you have ever been to a place and realized that you were not invited? And then you find out which one lies the quickest. I can tell you Dean will lie before I do. <laughs> that's not true. But that's when, you, that's when she says, oh, the kids are sick. We got to go home. We got to take them home. And then Macy, who's our black and white gal, she'll say, no, we're not. I'm not sick. <laughs> the primal fear, again, for both men and women, but... but stronger for men is do I fit? 
do I belong? You know what I dare say? See, see what you think about this. I dare say that some people got almost ready to come to church this morning. And without even realizing it, they were asking this question. Do I fit? Do I belong there? Will they accept me? I mean, and then I think some of them did not come. What do you think? You think that probably is true? Yes or no? Probably so. That's how strong this thing is. It, 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 it's just, it's, it's this huge. I mean, men, the, the, way, the way we handle it, men handle it, is we pretend it didn't happen. And if you don't say it happened, it didn't. Did you know that? A man, a trip, and he goes, oh, you trip. No, I didn't. I saw you trip. No, you didn't. Didn't trip. Yes, you did. This incredible need that we have to protect ourselves and insulate us from that kind of feeling. I don't fit. I don't belong. Men would do almost anything to stay away from it. It's just... It's just um, Dean's mom, Miss Freeman, after Miss Freeman died, she would come down and she would stay some. And, and uh, we had a, we had a, we, we lived over here in the parsonage, and, and I had a big brown chair. It had a kitchen and then a little sitting area, and I had a big brown chair. And I found myself a lot of time when Dean was cooking, I'd be in the kitchen, I was in there, and, and the kids would want to talk or something was going on. Or they were hurt, and I would get in that chair and hold them, and we would talk. And it became the chair, the brown chair. So Miss Freeman came, and she's having some heart issues and some other things are going on because she's in her 70s. And so, so one of the kids told her one time, said, Granny, if you will let Daddy get in that chair and you go sit in his lap... You will feel so much better. Isn't that true of everybody? The Father's house. Heaven is a wonderful place. But it's not just about getting there. It's about who's there. It's about your Savior, your God. It's about... The relationship you've had on earth, his guidance, it's about celebration and being there for his faithfulness. It's, it's a message about him, his invitation, and, and him preparing something for us, and us being on his mind. It's, um, it's what the human heart wants. Um, Peter said, I'm, 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 this stuff is just too much. I'm bailing. And when we bail, most of the time we go to something that's familiar, something we can do. So he goes fishing. All the other guys fall in behind him, and they go fishing. How many of you have ever gone fishing the way I'm talking about? You knew what God was saying, or you were discouraged, and you kind of did your own thing. You know, what you know you need to get on over here, but no, you're... you're 
pressing on in your own thing. That's exactly what they did. That's, that's going fishing. And uh, <clears throat> you know what's interesting is, is Peter is carrying now this load of guilt. Because at that meeting in chapter 14 of John where they had the Lord's Supper together, he whispered something to Peter, and guess what it was? Hey, Pete, before tonight is over, you're going to deny that you ever knew Jesus Christ, the Son of God. No, I will not. You know, cockiness is close to confidence, but you can be confident or cocky about the wrong thing and still be Mr. Hallmark. He was highly confident that it was about the wrong thing. Jesus said, yes, you will. Came back to him the second time. Oh, Pete, did I tell you? You're going to deny me. It is not so. I could not do that. I'd rather die. Time to time goes by, and then he comes back one more time. Pete, the reason I'm here, paraphrased, because I've come three times. You're not going to deny me once. You're going to deny me three times tonight. And it happened. And you, you remember how it happened. This big, huge, burly Roman soldier got him down, pinned him down, threatening his life. And finally, he. No, it wasn't that way. It was a little girl. <laughs> she said, I think I recognize you. You were one of Jesus' disciples. No, I was not. Ah, there it was. There it is. Second time, he feels his heart drop. And the third time, he is crushed. That is sad, quite sad, sad. <clears throat> Why did Jesus tell him ahead of time? He wanted this, this fall, this failure, to be redeemed and used. And he wanted him to know about it. He knew about it ahead of time. And it was no surprise to Jesus. And so he set Pete up for it, told him ahead of time it was coming. So now, now he's in the boat. He's carrying this. The Bible said the third time he went out and wept bitterly. He was broken. And then they recognized Jesus standing on the shore. And uh, they had these undergarments, but they were real light, but they, were, they worked, you know, and so they had most everything off except this, this clothes they would wear. But when they recognized it was Jesus, he slipped another coat on or another partial cover-up. And the Bible said he jumped off and he went to Jesus. I just imagine what he was feeling. You don't belong. There's no place for you. You don't look. There's no more for you. It's over for you. It's about performance, and you failed. And Jesus is getting ready to show him it's not about performance. It's about family. And forgiveness happens, and restoration happens. and It's a part of the family. And so once he gets to shore... It is so, I, I, it, it, you can't make this stuff up. And when, 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 he, when he finally gets there, Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, you love me? 
And Peter, with that brokenness, said, I love you. And he came back another way, and the Greek word he used is another, when he says, feed my sheep, there's another word that's in the Greek that's used about shepherding. Second time he says, will you shepherd? He said, yes, Lord, I will. Then he uses the third word, which is interesting because it's a combination of the first two words, which means to care for and shepherd, basically to look after my flock. He said, Peter, do you love me? Will you look after my flock? Now, let me tell you what I think Peter was hearing. I think Peter heard Jesus say, Pete, you got a future. I imagine in Pete's head he was saying, I, I don't, I don't have anything left, I failed you. Then I think he heard Jesus a second time saying, Pete, no, no, you're not out. You're in, I got a mission for you. Now, you don't understand Jesus. Do you understand what I did? He said, I get it. But do you get it? The God, the family, the Father, forgiveness, restoration. Third time. And I think finally it started soaking in some. Where it says, Peter, you have a place. You have a place with me. You have a mission. And there'll be a lot of other people. You will stand like I'm standing with you, and you will minister restoration to them when they don't think there's any other way out. They don't fit and they don't belong. But out of your failure is going to come a ministry. And you're going to use it, Pete. I want to close with this little story. And I use it oftentimes at funerals because it is just, it is just so poignant. It actually comes from a message that was given by Peter Marshall, who was the chaplain of the U.S. Senate. <clears throat> and he was, given, he was speaking at the chapel for the United States Naval Academy. What was interesting is he was delivering this message on the day of World War II starting. He had not heard it had started yet. He did not know it was started. But a lot of these young men at the academy would find themselves at war. And a lot of them would lose their life. On the way to the podium, the Lord changed his mind on what he was going to speak and told him to speak on heaven. And as he spoke on heaven, this is one of the illustrations that he used that day. A young boy was dying, and his mom had, he had, uh, dying as his mom, uh, she had questions, he had questions, and she'd been waiting to hear what his was and kind of dreading it. So then he came, walked up to her and asked her, Mom, what's it like to die? She told him to wait just a moment. She needs some little time. So she walked in the kitchen, whispered a prayer quick, said, God, you've got to help me out. And so immediately she knew what to do. So she walked back in there, and she explained this. She said, Kenneth, she said, as she returned to the room, she said, you remember how, and, and I remember this, you remember how when you're tired and, and we came home late at night and you were sleeping in the back of the car? Anybody remember that happening? We, we used to, we, I lived in Conway, and we used to go down and, and uh, have seafood down at Merle Beach and, and Merle's Inlet and all of their calabash. And, uh, and it'd be late at night getting back, and guess what Mike was doing? I'm sleeping in the back of the car. And so she said, Kenneth, do you remember those times? I said, yes. I said, in the morning, much to your surprise, you remember you'd wake up and find yourself in your house, in your bed, and not know how you got there. He said, absolutely. Happened to me so often. 
And he says, well, what's going to happen to you is the same thing that happened there, but it's going to happen in the spirit. Is in the natural, your earthly father would put his loving arms under you and pick you up. Walk in the house. Lovingly laid. You'd wake up in the morning and say, how did I get here? The heavenly father is going to put his arms under you. And you're going to be sleeping. He's going to walk you in your house. For my house, there are many mansions. My house, there's room for you. He's going to walk you in that mansion. He's going to put you in your bed. And you will wake up with your father with your family and this unbroken connection that we feel the best sense of in family. That's the closest thing you can get to God and his family is a human family. And that connection, that sense, he said, I want to preserve for eternity. And now you will be in eternity. And again, some of the questions that I wanted to answer, they'll answer next week is what do you do? But I can promise you this, you will never get bored. Not in eternity. You bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. <clears throat> I'm going to ask the Lord in just the closing moments of this service, I'm just going to ask the Lord to just do a real work of grace. <clears throat> because what I've described to you today is the plan the enemy works on every person. He don't want you to belong. He wants you to be isolated. He wants you to be by yourself. He wants you to be discouraged. He's come, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And God said, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. That's the war. He wants to lead and guide you through life and take you to eternity. That's his plan. But there is a war, there is a fight. And Peter fought that fight. And you can see how the enemy got him, but tried to keep him. So what I want to ask you this, I just want to pointedly ask you, is there a place or a time in your life where somehow the enemy got a message into your head or into your spirit that says you don't fit? It could come through any source. It could come through they could come to a teacher who told me they didn't think I would ever go to college. It could come through a parent who just with the sense of rejection, you feel that you know what you ought to feel as a child, but it didn't happen. And they communicated to you, somehow, you're not good enough. You don't belong. Now, what I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to go in those places. Because here's, everybody open your eyes for a moment. I'm going to show you, I'm going to get out in my head what I'm thinking so if it makes sense to you. How many of you believe God can touch your body and heal you physically? Is that possible? Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. 
the errors we are talking about now are not physical, they're emotional, and some of them may be spiritual. But when there is an area in there that is hurt, broken, or bruised, can he go in and heal that area just like he can heal your body? Yes or no? Yes. Is it possible? Yes or no? Yes. I've ministered inner healing. I can't tell you how many hundreds and thousands of people where just like physically, God would touch them and would heal them. So here's what I'm praying. I'm going to pray right now. I'm asking the Lord to dial those things up. They may be a little uncomfortable for you. It may be when something happened to you that's embarrassing. It may be just any way the enemy uses this stuff to keep you out. All of you Peters and Peteresses, I'm calling you home. Close your eyes if you would. All right, now, Father, you know in this congregation and those online how many are feeling this way and have felt that way in the past. And it's just time, it's time for us to hear your words. Do you love me? And I say, yeah. And then you say, okay, I got a reassignment for you. Just like Peter. So right now, Holy Spirit, would you come? I break that power of rejection in the name of Jesus. And where you have been trying to get that approval from, and it will not be given to you. The Lord is saying, turn to me. Turn to me. I am enough. Ask Dean to come. Dean, you, you got anything? See if you got anything at all. This is for the ones who have been through a divorce. And somehow they've never been able to break through to feel like it was okay for them to get closer in. Because that gulf that you have as being a divorcee has kept you from being what God wants you to be and to feel his love and his acceptance and his okayness with you. That that are some shackles that he wants to take down right now. Go ahead, let's pray, pray that. Let's, let's take care of that one issue. God, let's pray for <coughs> ones who have gone through such a devastating time whether you are the one who you feel like made the divorce happen or you were the one who didn't want it to happen. Father, either way, your grace, you want that relationship because they're your children. They're your children. You, you want them to feel comfortable back in your arms and to feel comfortable at your table. And right now, we speak healing to that inner part of their very being for that healing to take place in Jesus' name. 
and the persons here online who heard the word spoken to you from mom or dad or some authority figure that you were not good enough, that you were not, you weren't going to make it. I ask the Holy Spirit right now to do a special work of grace and just absolutely minister to you and heal that broken area of rejection. I break that power of rejection in Jesus' name. I break that sense that you don't have destiny or purpose. I break that sense that at this stage you're too old or somehow you are just, you're just somewhere where it can't happen. That is just a lie. And I just pray, God, would you restore now a confidence in your hand on their life and they are not rejected by you. In Jesus' name. And I break that rejection for the ones who have been a little bit afraid to walk into maybe a classroom or even at recess or even at a dance or a football game or a basketball game. And you felt like, I don't belong with all these because they're, they're pretty or they're good looking and they're popular and I'm not. I, that is such a rejection from the enemy to stop you from being everything that you can be. We break that right now in the name of Jesus, especially for you young people. That can be so crippling. We break that. And you get to walk in as a child of king. We'll stand Nothing like walking in when you're royal, royalty. I want to tell you about an incident whenever, when Mike and I first got married and we moved a long way for him to, to go to college and I was so excited about coming home to see mom and dad and the family and um, we were going to get home probably about two or three o'clock in the morning and I said I can't wait to see them they're just going to be so excited to see us and Mike said Dean it's three o'clock in the morning they are going to be asleep we need to go in there quietly and just kind of tiptoe and go to the bedroom I said oh no 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 that back door is going to be open and you're going to see the storm door they're going to have the porch light on and they're going to be sitting in that chair waiting on us he said no Dean I said oh yeah I'd be willing to bet my life on that one and let me tell you three o'clock when we rolled in they're sitting in those chairs and they are waiting and time our car got there open the door that is what heaven's going to be like that's what he is going to be waiting there for us. I mean, I could bet you on that one. Because if I, it happens with our earthly parents, can you imagine how much more from our Heavenly Father? <laughs> but but, but you gotta, you got to keep in mind, her parents, the way, the way they did, after we would get ready to leave, and they would have all those little... The glass door have all those handprints all over the little kids all over it. We'd come back the next time and they hadn't washed them off. And I said, why don't you wash your, wash your door? They said, we like sitting here looking at those prints. <laughs> Lord bless you. Lord keep you. Lord cause his face to shine upon you. I bless every single one of you as destiny carriers, as God called, God ordained men and women of God. I bless you to be what he's called you to be. And you belong. 
and you've got a place. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you guys. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.